This podcast is brought to you by Gridiron Heroics Media. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome one and all to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And today we are back with another Friday episode. That means we are going to be doing some news. We're going to be doing a Thursday Night Football recap. And then we are going to dive into every pick against the spread for Sunday. So an awesome episode. Popular one. I love it. Before any of all that good stuff, though, we got to find out what's happening around the league. Julius, how are you doing today? All is well on my end. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderfully. I mean, the site is expanding. We have some new protocols in place. It's a little bit crazy, but I think everything is 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 looking pretty cool. So aside from just the multimedia side that we've been working on for a while, taking a larger role over there as well. And I mean, I'm busy, but I'm happy. I mean, working in football, there's nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. That's you can't complain when you're working with stuff that you love and that you have a passion for. And you know, football, you know, America's game. You gotta, you gotta love it. <laughs> All right, so let's dive in. Okay, we got a long episode with a lot of picks to be made. So tell us what's happening. It be, it be, it be, it be, it be. All right, so first off, the Baltimore Ravens are signing pass rusher Jason Pierre-Paul to a one-year deal that can be worth up to $5.5 million pending incentives. So he met with the Ravens back in June, and then he revisited the team this past week. Now he is staying in Baltimore for the year. Nice. I think that's a great addition for them. Um, they have always done a pretty good job of, of capitalizing on relatively cheap veterans that fit right into their ecosystem and, and produce at a reasonably high level. I think you can never have too many pass rushers. Um, they blitzed a lot over the past few years to really get home, but adding a guy with the resume of Jason Pierre-Paul, it's maybe not going to change their season, but certainly going to help when there's an injury here or there. Yeah, absolutely. Having that veteran presence on the line, you know, never fails. Can you teach the young, the young boys a thing or two on how to get to the quarterback? Moving on, Steelers, uh, Steelers receiver George Pickens is unhappy with the lack of opportunities he's gotten. I found this funny. So, only logging two catches for 26 yards in the first two games. He was he had a really solid preseason, though. He doesn't feel like he's getting a chance, and his quote was, 99% of the time, I'm open. So, I like, what he, I like, I like that energy. <laughs> well, basically what that means is, I don't like that Mitch Trubisky is my quarterback. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what, what it means. <laughs> Because, look, if he's open, that means he's running routes in the scheme, which means the scheme is getting him open along with his talent. So clearly he doesn't have an issue with that. It's the fact that the ball is not coming to him. You would think as a rookie, maybe you would wait more than two weeks before you start complaining. <laughs> but I get it, though. I get it. These guys, look, I say that. I say that in jest. But the, tr- the reality is that these guys have a limited time to capitalize on what is life-changing money. So... Getting in on that early, it matters. I understand. You never know when you're going to get injured. If he's like, if I'm open, I want the ball. I want the stats. I want the recognition because that means getting paid. So I, I do get it, but still, two weeks is a little bit soon. 
I mean, it's probably just him being excited. He's amped up. He's new to the league. He wants to make an impact right away. You know, just just those young, that young energy feeling. You know, I think it's just it just comes down to that. But as well as you know, wanting more than two catches in the first two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I do. Yeah. Alrighty. So. To throw in this number, Amazon Prime, we are all very aware that every Thursday night football match is on Amazon Prime. The first showing averaged 15.3 million viewers in its first Thursday night showing, which featured the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. As we know, Kansas City won 27-24. So this is a pretty solid start to the Thursday night football showing for Amazon Prime. Okay, so I didn't have any of the other numbers right in front of me for what Thursday night football used to do. How, I mean, that's, that's, good for streaming service obviously but how is it compared to what thursday night football used to be i feel like i should just know this off the top of my head but do you have any numbers yeah i feel like i should too i do not but i definitely think you know for streaming services it's it's pretty solid start and i'm sure you know when i mean seals browns i don't know how much that's going to get tonight because you know it's not the two best teams but it is a, a division rivalry but i definitely think you know this number can definitely trend upwards yeah, sure, for sure. I mean, they have good matchups. I, I think before the season, they thought that this was a good matchup. Now, I'm not so sure, <laughs> you know, but that happens. That happens. It's, look, Chiefs Chargers, that's big time. Thursday Night Football was not pulling in Chiefs Chargers before this, so they're doing their best. Yeah, and then, you know, you had a pretty solid game. You got to see a 99-yard pick, pick six, so that was pretty awesome. Moving on, Sean Payton tells the New Orleans Football Podcast he would be interested for a 2023 head coaching return if the situation is right. He currently works for Fox Sports and coached the Saints for 16 seasons. So, Sean, could we see a Sean Payton return? Um, yes. <laughs> I agree. For sure. It's just a matter of time and it's who what that what that means is I want to go to a team that is going to pay me very well and has a quarterback in place. You know, and probably a roster too, but I would imagine that those are the two big two big ones, money and quarterback, because your life is miserable if you don't have a quarterback and obviously who doesn't like getting paid. So <laughs> uh, he, he's coming back 100%. He wouldn't say that if he wasn't interested. Hot take on this, speaking of the Steelers. So let's say the Steelers move on from Mike Tomlin. I say they go after Sean Payton. With a young quarterback mm. and Kenny Pickett coming in, what do you? Not going to happen. They won't. They won't jump Tomlin. They He's can't. Been too I'm just, successful. I just remember all the the rumors this past off season, and I was just like, "There's no way you can." But I'm saying, if it was to happen, what do you do? You think that's a possibility? Just a hot take. I just just throw that out real quick. Well, I don't want to pour water on your hot take, but I just <laughs> I mean, like we are, are we going to try and create storylines until it's inevitably announced that he goes to the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, <laughs> like it's. <laughs> It's a matter yeah, of time. Absolutely. Come on. Like, we all know it. We all know. If that doesn't happen, I will be genuinely floored. Because this season is not trending the right way for the Cowboys. I mean, we're going to see what happens on Monday night. But even if they beat the Giants and, and they manage to start 2-1, and one, like, I think that after the way that last year went in the playoffs, they just have to do such a tremendous job of, uh, of like, absolutely convincing everyone without a shadow of a doubt that, he, that Mike McCarthy should still be there and... It's, that's a tough out. That, that's that, that's a, a, a masterpiece of a season, you know, if you want to call it that. And, and you know, 
That's yeah, I, I agree. Like I just I just thought I'd add some little fun there. I definitely don't think the Steelers are moving on from Tomlin. But speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, so Jerry Jones voiced something that was interesting, <laughs> that he wouldn't mind a little quarterback competition in Dallas. And he said he hopes Cooper Rush performs so well that it's basically difficult to decide who's going to be the starting quarterback between him and Dak Prescott. At this point, I think he just likes he just likes to say stuff just to kind of get the news going. Yeah, because okay, I, as, as, <laughs> yeah, as a Cowboys fan, you, you, you just gave Dak Prescott a giant contract. I mean, what it's pretty obvious. <laughs> I mean, this Jerry recognizes that. Any news is good news. There is very, very little in the way of publicity that is not beneficial in some way. He has known that for a long time, and he has always leaned into it. I mean, geez, I I wouldn't even be surprised if he, if he poured an entire salt shaker of salt onto his sausage biscuit just because he knew people would talk about it. Like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised about that. So he he's knows what he's doing. As as a Cowboys fan, I, I totally understand. And I, you know, it's just, it's getting to that time. Like, all right, just, just get back to that winning atmosphere already. Like tired of saying this is our year and seeing all those fans that are saying that just suffer and eat their words. I'm not one of those people cause I'm realistic, but still at the end of the day, it's like those, those people are getting let down all the time, especially for the last 20 something years. Man, I can't get over that scene where he was emptying the salt shaker onto that thing. It was the, one of the most awkward moments of television I've ever seen. Dead silence. There's a cameraman just filming him pour salt on it. No one's talking. And he just keeps going and going and going. I've ne- never seen anything. It, like that. That's a Michael Scott moment. Like That's a Michael Scott from The Office moment. And it's, I find it hard to believe that he wasn't aware of that. But you know what? Whatever. He made his millions. He can do whatever he wants. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Julius, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, GatJuice44. On Twitter, GatJuice44. You can find me on GridironHeroics.com. Find my articles and my appearances on this podcast, as well as on Facebook, Julius Lux. Beautiful. You're getting faster and faster every day. (laughs) Try. I'm working on it. All right. We'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. See you. All right, everybody, we are back to recap this Thursday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to help me do that, as always, is Dave Guberman. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, Max. Had a great game tonight. At least it was close. A nice divisional battle. Got to see the Browns exercise their fourth quarter demons from last <laughs> week. So I know that Kevin Savancy was happy to see that. Yeah, for sure. It was funny how strikingly similar... The situation was at the very end of the game, but basically this was a classic AFC North beat you up, try and run the ball down your throat, play possession style football. I mean, that's what this was. And I would say the game could be summarized with a goal line stand that the Steelers tried to make and couldn't quite close out. At one point, the Browns had the ball on the goal line, second down, they give it to Kareem Hunt. He's driving towards the goal line. He gets stood up hard and driven to the ground by Devin Bush. They try on third down, still don't get it. They give it to Nick Chubb, and he elevates and drives it in. So like that was this game in a nutshell to me. Two teams fighting in the trenches with a ball in the running back's hands, 
and ultimately the Browns came on top, came out on top. That was a that was a microcosm of the entire game. So, why don't you hit me with a few takeaways that, that you had from this? I know you had some thoughts that you were kind of kind of ready to to set up and knock down here. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing that really kind of caught my attention, especially in the first half, was the Browns and their level of communication on their on their defense. I think that it was obvious, at least to me, what was emphasized in practice this whole week leading up to this game. As we kind of alluded to, they had their collapse with multiple breakdowns in the fourth quarter to the Jets last week. The Jets scored 17 fourth quarter points, and you could tell that they made a point to over-communicate in this game. They really took the mantra, there's no such thing as over too much communication to heart. And you could tell, especially in their secondary, they were really talking to one another, making sure that everyone was lined up where they should be, and making sure that everyone was on the same page. So that was very evident to me throughout the course of this game. Another thing that I really want to harp on that I think is another thing that really, I don't want to say decided the game, but was a big part of how why this game ended up the way that it did was the third and fourth down efficiency for both these teams was polar opposite for these two. The Browns went 10 for 20 on third and fourth down in this game, while the Steelers went one for nine on third and fourth down. So those two stats really jumped out to me as what the Steelers just couldn't get over and they couldn't convert on third and fourth down while Jacoby Brissett, the Browns' stable, steady, current backup quarterback who's going to be taking over for most of the season for Deshaun Watson he really put the Browns in manageable third and fourth down situations. It does help to have the best one-two punch in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, but he was very efficient. He was very poised. He had two first-half passing touchdowns, and then in the second half, he kind of just leaned on Nick Chubb and that defense to close things out. Yeah, I think... The key to this game is absolutely the running backs. Nick Chubb is the best in the league this year. I think any given year you can make an argument, but at this point it's hard for me to go in any other direction. His contact balance, his burst, his fluidity, I mean, just even the way he sets up his blocks, it's all excellent. He's playing at a truly elite level. I'm not sure if there's any other running back in the league that's even really debatably there either. Najee Harris had some nice moments, some big stiff arm, but or actually a couple big stiff arms, but he's just not the same player as Nick Chubb right now. So between that and having Kareem Hunt along with him, it's it makes it easy for a quarterback. And of course, they have maybe the best offensive line in the game. If not, they're right up there. So when you have an efficient running game like that, it's easier to convert on third down. It's also easier to work the play action game. And that, that was a big part of what they did tonight. Now, I will say this about Jacoby Brissett, man. You forget what an arm he has. It's not elite, but it's better than you think. It's like a Geno Smith type arm where he can really put some mustard on it. He doesn't have the elite talent in terms of getting the ball, you know, down the field and and dropping it in windows, but he can fit it in there on a line drive pretty darn well. And I think both of his touchdowns were throws just like that. The first one being to to Amari Cooper and the second one to the David Njoku. And, and I think 
when you have the run game that helps open up those lanes, that type of passer can be more effective. So, you know, I think it all fits together well. And I'm curious to see what they look like when Deshaun Watson gets back. They could be a very scary team. And Brissett is not a small guy either. At 6'4", 235 pounds, he, that's just another added asset and an added threat, especially on those third and fourth, or third and shorts, fourth and shorts. So that's another kind of thing that they can have in their tool book that Stephen, Kevin Stefanski can use in their offense. But mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, he was very opportunistic. He's protecting the football. He had 109 quarterback rating tonight compared to Mitch Trubisky's 81 quarterback rating. So he really outplayed the the Trubisky from the Steelers side. And I know that the Steelers, kind of like you, you said a minute ago, Najee Harris had some good runs. The Steelers O-line played a lot better than they played last week. Miles Garrett, maybe the best pass, rush, pass rusher in the league, was rarely seen tonight. He was taken out of the game for m- the majority of the game. So I think that those things aren't going to help and these these aren't going to help Mitch Trubisky's kind of storyline and I think that the calls for their first round pick Kenny Pickett are only going to increase as the Steelers keep piling up losses because I know that this was the first game of the season that Trubisky's had over 200 yards passing but through three games Trubisky has two total touchdowns And in a league that passing is probably the most important asset you can have in an offense, that's just not going to cut it. And they just haven't scored enough points. They haven't been as consistent enough. So I think that those calls for Pickett are only going to increase as we move into the season. No doubt. I mean, Steelers fans are, I think a lot of them were aware of what this season would look like, you know, as you transition to a young guy. And I mean... It doesn't change the fact that you get yourself excited through training camp. You see all the plays that your guys are making. You see George Pickens going off in the preseason. And fans fall in love with that. They convince themselves that something is going to go a different way than than even how they know it will in their hearts. So at this point, they're already going through that cycle. And they're at the point of being frustrated and wanting a change. I, I understand that. And I think, look... He has a pretty good offense around him. The offensive line is not great. They played a little better tonight, but getting the ball out quickly is a big part of that. And I will have to absolutely shout out maybe the catch of the year from George Pickens. It is shades of Odell Beckham falling backwards, reaching out, snagging it with one hand. I mean, very, very few players in the league could do that, even in the best of circumstances. And you think when you put all that together... You should be able to move the ball for more than 200 yards of passing offense. You should be able to hit a few touchdowns. I think I. it's not that it's unexpected. It's it's it, This is what I thought was going to happen, to be perfectly honest. And I understand why the fans are mad. And I, I would expect we're going to see Pickett sooner rather than later. I think Tomlin is old-fashioned, hard-nosed, but I don't think he's pig-headed. I don't think he's that stubborn. You know, I, I think he knows how this is going to go, and he's letting it play out. I don't think he's pig-headed. I think you're right. But I think of any of the coaches in the, we have in this league, Tomlin is the last one to listen to what the fans say on the matter or who the fans want to have in the game. 
I think that Tomlin's <laughs> going to do what's best for the Steelers, what he thinks gives their team the best chance to win. So if he thinks that's Trubisky right now, so be it. He might stick with them. They have a long 10-day layover until their next week four game. But as the season goes on, I think that, that he might kind of change his mind on that. Another piece of that is their defense is not probably not going to be the elite level defense that they had in week one. TJ Watt really is the straw that stirs that Pittsburgh Steelers defense. The Steelers are 0-6 without TJ Watt in the lineup. So they're going to be without him for the next four to six weeks for sure. So I know that that's going to be a tough stretch for them. And I will pile on that with this. The next five games for the Steelers, they actually get the Jets, your Jets, next week. But after the Jets, they get the Bills. They get Tom Brady's Bucks after that. And then they finish with the Dolphins and the Eagles, two very strong-looking young teams. So the next month of the season for the Steelers in particular might be a very rough stretch. Yeah, it does them favor to a favor to to have a ten game window between now and playing the Jets, but we'll see what the Jets look like against the Bengals. But I mean, they just lost in a more convincing fashion, I would say than than. Uh, let me rephrase that. I think it does serve them well that they have that ten game window. Tomlin will have them prepared to go up against the Jets and. But let's be honest, the, the Jets did just beat the Cleveland Browns this past week. The team that, you know, I don't want to say they dominated them, but they definitely looked like the better team than the Steelers out there. So that's, even if they did win, that's a tough out. I will say this, as a Jets fan, I would absolutely rather play Mitch Trubisky than Kenny Pickett. I don't know which one is better, but at least I know what I'm getting with Mitch Trubisky, and I wouldn't be confident in it as a Steelers fan. So as a Jets supporter, I am hopeful that they decide to roll with Trubisky just that at least that one more game because I think the pass rush can do more against him than Kenny Pickett, who's probably willing to get out there and at least try some different things. Right, yeah, for sure. I, I would totally agree with that. You really know what you're getting with Trubisky. And as we've already said, the Steelers are struggling mightily to score points. And switching to the Browns perspective, I kind of mentioned this to you in passing, but I give a lot of credit to Kevin Stefanski and managing these games, managing these situations. As we kind of already said before, the Browns would be 3-0 and right now with Brissett, if not for that epic collapse against your Jets last week. So... They're looking pretty good, and they're going to go into week four next week in first place in the AFC North, regardless of what happens this weekend. So they're in a pretty good spot. As we've already said, they might have the best running back in the league. So they might be a better team than we thought, even with Brissett, their backup quarterback, to hold down the fort. So we'll see how he does over the next couple months, because it's not going to be until week 13 when they get Deshaun Watson back, but so far they're looking like they might be a force to go with the Ravens and the, and the Bengals. What we shall see about the Bengals in that uh, tough AFC North. 
I do think that it's going to be a tough out for them anytime they go up against a particularly explosive offense because their run game is elite, but it still takes you longer to score. And if you give up two quick touchdowns, you may be able to come back, but it that's tough to do when you're relying so heavily on the rushing attack. When you don't have basically control over the clock, it's harder as a run first team. So I think... I they didn't I wouldn't say they saw that against the Jets because the Jets were coming from behind, but I think anytime they play a bit more of an explosive offense, the situation might might turn around a little bit. So it's a it's it's a long season. I don't think that, you know, they could basically ask for a better situation than to be coming out of week three as two and one, um, you know, after everything that happened in the offseason. But you, you gotta give them credit. And I think Stefanski is a good coach and I think they've done a nice job. And I think by far and large, I mean, far and away, most of what they have done under this regime with Andrew Barry and Stefanski has been excellent move after excellent move. And it, it is a little bit colored by the whole Deshaun Watson situation, but everything else has been really, really, really on point. So it's not really a surprise that they are weathering the storm to some degree. Dave, thanks so much for joining me to break down this Thursday night football game. It, it was it was old-fashioned football. It was for the classic football lover, I believe. So it's not that it wasn't a good game. It wasn't the you know modern explosive game that we that we've come to expect out of the NFL, but it was good nonetheless. And we Let got everybody to see a, know and we got to see a good old-fashioned full-on fumble lateral play that resulted <sighs> in a defensive touchdown in the last game. I'm sure some people lost some bets on that last play, but that's just you know the craziness of the NFL. This guy, this I, unfortunately, I didn't put money on it, but I am trying to win the Gridiron Heroics Pick'em, and they they messed up my spread right there. But yeah, Dave, let everybody know where they can find you between now and when we see you on Sunday night to break down every single Sunday game. You got it. Anybody out there listening can follow me on at Dave Guberman on Twitter, or you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at D-A-G. U-B-E-R-M. Thanks, guys. You got it. And we'll see you in just a few days. Stay tuned because we are about to pick every single game against the spread. Gamblers, wagerers, and riverboat ramblers. Tonight, we pick... All right, everybody, I am absolutely pumped to pick the week three slate of NFL games on Sunday. And of course, as always, to help me do that, I have two of our best, Kyle Nishida and Bryson Owens. How are you doing, Kyle? Um, hopefully, I'm going to do a lot better than I did in week two. So uh, we'll, we got a new week. Hopefully, that provides better results. <laughs> yeah, some of us had bounce back. Some of us had a, a fall back to earth. Bryson, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. Hopefully we don't see too many of those crazy fourth quarter comebacks. That tends to ruin a lot of people's betting. <laughs> um, so it's going to be an interesting week. All right. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a crazy weekend. No doubt about it. But I'll mention how we did with the final picks at the very end, just like last week. But we are going to just jump right into the week at hand. We have plenty of games to pick. We don't have a double header on Monday night to help us out. So we've got a full slate. First one we have today, the New York Jets 
and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jets are plus five at home. So they're still underdogs. Um, it's, it's not surprising to me that the Jets are not favored, of course. But it is a little surprising that it's plus five with the way that they've played over the first two weeks. And I think even more important, the way the Bengals have played over the first couple of weeks. Because I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Kyle, who do you got here? Well, if you asked me at the beginning of the season what this should be, I would have told you to take the Bengals all day, but I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to go with the Jets here, and you kind of <laughs> mentioned why. I thought the Bengals' shaky start in Week 1 was more about the Steelers' defense. However, it's pretty clear Cincinnati's got some pretty glaring issues. Their offensive line has somehow gotten worse, despite the fact they've made some upgrades to it. Joe Mixon only gained 57 yards against a defense that let Laren Fournette run for over 100 yards. Very, very concerning. Plus, since he can't protect Burrow at all, I may have concerns about Joe Flacco and the Jets, but I can't pick Cincy to cover a five-point spread after whatever they did against the Cooper Rush Cowboys this past weekend. I, I'm feeling a little bit opposite of you. I understand why the Bengals are favorites because they're still – on paper, the better team. Um, and I am a little shocked, like you, Max, that's a five-point spread. That seems a little big, um, considering how these two teams have played. I think that shows if the season was going along like people thought it would so far, this would be a maybe a 10-point spread. So I think this is knocked down from what people were originally anticipating. I'm still rolling with the Bengals. I just think that they're the better overall team. The thing that's impressing me about the Bengals this season, despite their 0-2 start, is their defense. They're top 10 in pretty much every category so far through two weeks. Um, I don't expect the Jets and Joe Flacco, specifically Joe Flacco, to have another crazy performance like he did against the Browns. Like That was an old old school Joe Flacco game. Um, and I, Their run game isn't doing much so far that, for the Jets. I think the Bengals can contain them on offense. I think Joe Burrow is finally going to get it together. The O-line's been struggling, but it's a lot on Joe Burrow, too. He's playing a lot of hero ball. He's holding onto the ball too long, trying to make plays when they're not there. He needs to learn to just get rid of the ball quickly, even in the, if there's not a play there. Um, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Bengals one more time. I think they're going to get it going this week. The only reason I'm not picking the Jets to win this outright is because it just seems like Joe Burrow starting 0-3 is so unlikely. You know, if, if I... A lot of times, my predictions for the season are more accurate than my prediction for any given week because you fall into the storyline of what happened last week and how that affects this week. But if I look at my season predictions, it's just I find it unlikely that the Bengals start 0-3. And yet, you know, watching the games over the past few weeks, I think the Jets have a very real chance to win. So I wouldn't be surprised how this would turn out either way, but I'm definitely picking the Jets to cover because even if the Bengals win, I do think that they'll play it close. Joe Flacco has, he's gone over 300 yards in both games. First one, a little bit more garbage time and second week, more, more legit, but they are moving the ball. Brees Hall, he had over seven yards a clip last week. So I really do believe that he is about to go off in any given week. Just depends on how Many times they give him the ball. They have been bringing the rookies kind of along more slowly intentionally. So, I don't know. I think they have they have the answer to even winning this game. But 
I'm just I'm comfortable taking them to backdoor cover. All right. Bears minus two and a half with the Texans. So Texans are going to Chicago. Bears are coming off an ugly Sunday night loss. And mm. that was, I think, a little bit more of what we expected out of them for this year. Um, yeah, I kind of want to stay away from this game altogether. Like, give me the under. However, if I'm forced to pick a side, which I am, I'm actually going to take the Bears here. Both teams are not offensive juggernauts, but their defenses have been solid. I would normally take the underdog in the Texans in a game I feel is pretty even. However, I'm changing things up with the Bears here. Houston has one of the worst rush defenses through two games, while the Bears average a top 10 in rushing yards per game. So I... I almost have a feeling the Bears are just going to go full out. We're running the football. We don't need to throw the football. And I do understand the Bears have the worst run defense, but we haven't seen Houston really get things going on the ground yet. So if I'm just picking on what team has an edge, I think the Bears may have the edge in the run game. So I'm just going to go in that direction. I don't know. You saw against the Broncos who have a really good run defense so far through two weeks. Damian Pierce had some big moments in that game. He looks really solid. It seemed like every time he got the ball, it was five yards, six yards, six yards, stuff stuff like that. Damian Pierce really impressed me against the Broncos specifically. And so did Davis Mills. I think he's I think he's surprised a lot of people so far this early in his career. I think a lot of people forget he was a five star recruit coming out of high school, went to Stanford. He he is a legit quarterback. He just had injury problems at Stanford. Um I think that Davis Mills outplays Justin Fields. I've been out on Justin Fields the whole season, the whole offseason going into the season. I don't have any faith in him. I think the Texans, have they've played teams really close. They almost beat the Colts. They, they kept it close with the Broncos. The Bears got blown out by the Packers, um, could barely beat the Trey Lance Niners, um, even when the field conditions were in the Bears' favor for that game for the most part. I think the Texans just have a lot of momentum going with the way they're playing. They're playing really hard for Lovey Smith. I'm really impressed with them. I've got the Texans at least covering the spread, but possibly winning the game outright. Yeah, I don't love this game either. The fact that it's under a field goal just makes me feel, you know, it, it's tight. But I will take the Texans as well. I think, I think the Texans have had a little bit more time in their rebuild and they actually have a little bit more overall talent than the Bears. I think quarterback, in terms of talent, is where you look and you say, okay, the Bears have it. But I don't know. It, it didn't look good this past weekend. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Texans here, especially because they're underdogs, um, because I don't think either team is you know blowing the other out. So let's jump along to the Miami Dolphins. Versus the Buffalo Bills. This is ooh, this is the game of the week, maybe. Dolphins are plus six at home. I think that's pretty fair based on the way that both teams have looked. But the spread, it doesn't, it doesn't make me comfortable in either direction. What do you think, Kyle? Mm. Yeah, this is kind of tough. I I do love what the, the Dolphins have done over the first two weeks. They've They've covered for me both times in the, over the first two weeks. However, I think I'm going to have to swallow the points and take the Bills here. Sean McDermott is 6-3-1 and one against the spread against the Dolphins in his coaching career. So I understand this be, is sort of a circumstantial type of thing. 
However, the Bills look like the best team in the league. They look absolutely unstoppable, and I will give them the benefit of the doubt here, despite being the sizable favorites they are. Yeah, I'm taking the Bills, too. The biggest reason is they the way they've been winning. They've beaten up on two uh, playoff teams so far and, like, beaten them up. Like, it's not even been close. And they did what – the way they've beaten them is so impressive. They've taken away what they do best, and both teams play so differently. They took away the easy passes that Stafford's used to against the Rams, and they took away the run game for the Titans. Those are two very different ways of playing defense, and they've succeeded on both sides. I think they're going to do a good job of taking away what the Dolphins do best. They're going to contain the speed that the Dolphins have. They're going to make Tua have to throw the ball deep. He's been doing a pretty good job of it so far. I don't see it happening this week, though. I think the, the biggest thing is the Dolphins came had to come back on a massive 21-point fourth-quarter comeback. That doesn't happen very often. I don't see it happening again. I think the Bills... With Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs are going to jump out to a lead early, and they're not going to look back. So I've got the Bills covering this, covering the spread. Yeah, the Bills are very much in the prove me wrong stage. If they're going to keep looking like they've looked, I'm not picking against them. You know, and I think six is mm-hmm. it's it's a big spread, but it's it's only one touchdown, so it's not it's nothing really crazy. And I'll just point this out. The Dolphins have not faced a defensive line, a truly vaunted defensive line yet, and the Bills have that. The Ravens, they bring pressure with blitzes. The Patriots, I mean, kind of a similar idea. Neither one of those are get-home-with-four type of lines. The Bills are. So we're going to see what that looks like for the Dolphins. And I'm not saying they can't handle it, but, you know, it's different than what they've seen so far. All right. The Washington Commanders plus six and a half at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. So Carson Wentz has to defend his home turf against his old team. And yeah, he didn't look very good this past week. So Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, this is another situation where I'm taking the sizable role favorites. I, I, I think I was the only one on here that said, take the lines over the commanders <laughs> last week. And I, I, Look, there's a reason for that. Carson looks, Carson goes from these highs and lows so quickly and so sporadically. It's really hard to just go with him in any spot. So I'm going away from him again. On And meanwhile, on the flip side, the Eagles are look like a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball. They can, they can force turnovers. Meanwhile, they're also on offense just running up and down on teams, whether it's through the air or on the ground. I could easily see the Eagles forcing Wentz into turnovers, allowing that loaded offense numerous chances to win this game by at least a touchdown. So give me the Eagles minus six and a half. Now, before I make my pick, I am actually pretty impressed with Carson Wentz so far through the season. He does have three interceptions, but he has 650 passing yards and seven touchdowns. Like He's been playing very solid for the Washington Commanders. The problem with them is they have no run game. They're averaging 86 and a half yards a game right now, which is 24th in the league. That's not going to be good enough if they want to make this offense balanced like a Carson Wentz offense should be. Don't have Carson throwing the ball 40 times a game. That's not going to go out in your favor. If you're going to have him throwing 25 to 30 times, you're in a much better spot. With all that said, the Eagles, like Kyle said, they look really impressive right now. Jalen Hurts, that was the that was an incredible performance by him. Um, in, in their last game, I was really impressed by him against the Vikings. 
the fact that he went almost perfect for the first half or he went perfect passing for the first half was absolutely incredible. They run the ball like no one else can because they have so many guys who can run the ball. They weren't even confident in my in Miles Sanders going into the season, and yet he's looked really solid. Jalen Hurts looks good running the ball. They just they have so many guys that can beat you. And you saw week one how big AJ Brown was for them, and then week two, um, Quez Watkins has a big touchdown. Um, De- um, Devontae Smith has a bunch of big catches. So they've proven that not only can they beat you going to one guy in a game, they can beat you spreading the ball out too now. Their defense looks really solid. I like the Eagles in this game for sure. Yeah, me too. I think the the commanders can put up points. I'm not sure their defense isn't really locked down right now. And ultimately the Eagles just look too good after two weeks. I think, you know, anything under a one touchdown spread, I'm pretty comfortable taking. All right, Kyle, man, what's going on with these Colts? They, the depth they had at wide receiver was already questionable. I think if everybody was healthy, it would have been okay. But now at this point, it, it's shown its head very, very early in the season, and that's an issue. They are plus 5.5 against the Kansas City Chiefs in Indy. What do we think about this game? Yeah, if I had answers, I'd be coaching that team myself. So <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't have a lot to say about this team. I, as a Colts fan, I do want to give them another chance this game, but they're playing against the Chiefs, man. Like, Indy seems completely out of sorts right now. Um, we can talk about Jacksonville being better this season, but look, getting shut out after losing there the way they did last season is flat out embarrassing. And the main problem is Trevor Lawrence basically had all day to throw because the Colts pass rush is completely non-existent. And so you take those factors in there and now they have to face basically the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. I don't think the Colts have enough offensive firepower to keep this competitive with the Chiefs. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus five and a half. Yeah, I also don't think the Colts are going to keep this competitive. I think the biggest problem I'm seeing is just Matt Ryan looks like flustered every time out there. He does not look. People thought that he looked really bad last year because the Falcons were bad and they didn't want to write Matt Ryan off. I think if he continues playing the way he is, it might be time to write him off. He does not look good right now. Jonathan Taylor's not getting the production like he did last year, which isn't helping them much. And like you mentioned, Max, their wide receiver room is average at best with Michael Pittman Jr. And now if Michael Pittman Jr. is out, it might be one of the worst in the league. And the Chiefs, they've done a really good job on both sides of the ball so far this year. Um, I think the offense has stepped up or the defense has stepped up mostly in week one because their offense got off to such to such a big lead. But then you saw them go get a pick six against Justin Herbert. They they beat him up really good in that game. I think the Chiefs are going to roll away with this game maybe by two touchdowns. I, mean, I think it's going to be an ugly game. Yeah, I think this is a surprisingly small spread considering the offensive firepower the Chiefs have displayed and the fact that the Colts got shut out last week. I, I don't expect them to be shut out again. But, I mean, the Chiefs by the end of the season might have the best offense in the NFL and the Colts might be bottom five. So for me, five and a half spread, that's not nearly enough. So I'm taking the chiefs here, Minnesota Vikings coming off of a rather ugly loss on Monday night. Kirk cousins 
had kind of a classic Kirk Cousins meltdown. They are playing the Lions in Minnesota. Vikings are minus five. That's This is interesting because the Lions have put up a boatload of points in consecutive weeks. So this is clearly the, the Vegas odds makers saying, you know, we consider the Lions to, you know, maybe be a little bit of a pretender, I guess. I, I don't know how I feel about that. This is one I, I want to hear what you guys have to say to, to bounce off of. Well, I mean, I've I've taken the lines in the past two weeks, and now you're giving me six points again with them. I'm I'm gonna take them again here, and basically, you kind of hit on why I'm I kind of like them in this spot. While I'm not a fan of Jared Goff, it's hard to ignore the fact that the lines are tied for second in terms of highest scoring offense with the Chiefs, just behind the Bills. Like DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams have been an excellent one-two punch out of the backfield. And then Amon Ron St. Brown has been a stud for them over the first two weeks. I I expect them to have similar production over this next game. I expect the Vikings to win here, but I can't imagine the Vikings winning more than six points in a game that I think is honestly going to be a shootout. Yeah, I'm with Kyle in this game. I think the Vikings are going to win, but the Lions are going to keep it really close. Um, the guy he didn't mention is DeAndre Swift. He's been absolutely incredible so far through two weeks this year. He has 200 total rushing yards and a touchdown. He's also caught the ball really well for them. Their Lions O-line, despite all their injuries, still looks like one of the better O-lines in football. Goff looks really solid. He looks kind of like the Rams Goff when he went. they went to the Super Bowl. He's good enough to just keep the chains moving, good enough to get them in scoring um, positions. But he may not be good enough to win big games. I don't know if they'll be able to stop the Vikings offense. I don't know. The Eagles had Darius Slay, who could not shut down Justin Jefferson. But with help, he could really contain him. And he had two interceptions in that game. I don't think the Lions have someone who can stop Justin Jefferson at all. I think they're going to get back to throwing him the ball a lot. He's going to have a big game. The Vikings should win this game, but I think it's going to be close. It may only come down to like a field goal for that game. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, if you can put up points, a large spread is not something I'm comfortable with. And I think the way that Amon Ross St. Brown is playing, you know, he alone is going to be a big part of that offense. And yeah, I'm going to take the Lions here to cover. In fact, I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily reflect in our picks here. I think I'm going to pick the Lions to win this game. I think I think this is the week where people are are I I don't expect them to have a spread like this next week. Let's put it that way. All right. The Patriots are plus two and a half at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is giving a lot of credit to the Patriots, considering the fact that they looked pretty bad overall against the Dolphins in week one, and they beat a bad Steelers offense by about three points last week. So I don't know. I mean, for me, this seems pretty obvious, but tell me if you see something I don't see. Well, it's kind of funny because I, I, I saw this spread and it was, it was larger yesterday and it's gone, gone down because 
I'm seeing the public is siding with the Patriots a lot, so I'm gladly going to d- go against that and take the Ravens here. I think the Ravens got caught, just got caught by the Dolphins hurricane comeback. Look, that happens. Obviously, you never want to lose a <laughs> lose a game you're leading by 21 points in the fourth quarter, but that does happen sometimes, and I think that's a testament to how good Miami is and not indic- indicative of anything too concerning with Baltimore. I expect the Ravens defense to have a much easier time covering the Patriots weapons as opposed to the Dolphins. So if that Ravens offense can mimic what they did in week two, I see the Ravens comfortably covering this two and a half point spread. Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens to cover this game as well. And one of the biggest reasons is just the lack of weapons is really showing for the Patriots and the Ravens are finding offense through everyone in that team. Lamar Jackson's playing absolutely incredible. And I don't, that comeback by the Dolphins was absolutely incredible. I don't see that happening again um, against this Ravens defense, especially again with the Patriots offense, the way it is the Patriots um, offense is ranked 23rd in total yards, 17th in passing 19th in rushing. So just below average in every category. Um, Meanwhile, the Ravens offense is pretty elite and everything. They're rushing, Yards isn't great, but that'll pick up with J.K. Dobbins coming back. Even if he's not 100%, he is better than anything they've had at the running back room so far. They don't have to rely on Lamar to carry them passing and rushing quite as much when J.K. comes back. Um, I think the Ravens' defense is going to step up against this anemic Patriots offense. So I've got the Ravens coming away with the win and covering the spread. Yeah, easy decision for me. I mean, along with everything you guys said, who's going to cover Mark Andrews in this game? I do not see I do not see a positive matchup in the Patriots' favor for that one. All right. Bryson, I think it's about time that you walk back your Panthers. <laughs> All right. Panthers are plus three against the New Orleans Saints. Um, yeah, I know that I know Jameis is a little banged up, and I know that it was a little bit rough against the nor <laughs> the uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past week. I don't expect that kind of physical defensive showdown here. So three points is maybe a smaller spread than I would have thought. I don't think that the Saints are powerhouse, but, you know, what do you say, Kyle? Yeah, as someone that likes the Saints a lot, they have not looked great offensively. However, I will point out, since 2014, the Saints are 10-6 and six against the spread and straight up versus Carolina in the regular season. So... I'm going to go with the Saints minus three here. I'm not, I wasn't really big on the Panthers and Baker Mayfield. They've lost to the Browns and Giants and haven't, if I'm not mistaken, haven't covered the spread in either one of them when it was like a one and a half point spread. So I'm still waiting on, on Baker Mayfield and Matt Rule and Carolina altogether to prove me wrong. So I'm just going to go with the Saints minus three here. I get the Jameis stuff. I get all the stuff that comes to the Saints. Saints have a really good defense, though, and I think their defense is going to keep Carolina down and make it really difficult for them to score. I'm sticking with the Panthers for, for one more week. I want to. <laughs> I, I really think they have a chance here at home. I think a couple of big things. Christian McCaffrey finally starting to look like Christian McCaffrey. He had a really solid game in their last game. That's going to be huge. I think week one, they suffered mightily from Christian not being productive at all. Whereas this um, in week two, he was much better against the Giants. And then the Saints have a ton 
of injuries. No one officially ruled out, but a lot of guys just questionable, not 100%. And a lot of important players, Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek. I mean, these are Marcus May. These are all stars for this team who are questionable, and they're not going to be 100%. I think the Panthers are the healthier team. I think that they are finally starting to see a little bit of momentum. They, I think they're I'm, – I'm not – Super encouraged by the fact that they're 0-2, but I am encouraged by the fact that Christian's finally starting to look better. Their defense has actually been pretty solid the first two weeks for the Panthers. I think they, at home, they come away with a win against the Saints or at the very least cover this three-point spread. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect the Saints to blow them out, but... Three points is not enough for me. I'm still taking the Saints. I think I think it's a bad matchup for the Panthers' offense against the Saints' defense. That defense is playing very, very well right now. So, you know, with the way that Pete Werner is looking, Demario Davis, that defensive line is, you know, playing almost as well as it ever has. And they may be having some injuries on offense. I still expect them to be able to score. And, yeah, I'm taking the Saints to cover this one. Titans plus two against the Raiders. This is an interesting matchup. Two AFC teams who were in the playoffs last year. Neither has looked that good. The Raiders on paper should be better, but they're both 0-2. Who is clawing their way out with a 1-2 record in this game, Kyle? Um, well, first of all, I just want to make the note. I want to pass on this game altogether <laughs> because both these teams are atrocious in two different ways. Uh, one, the Raiders blowing a 20 nothing lead when they had the Cardinals looking absolutely lost and non-competitive is pretty inexcusable in my mind. While you look at the Titans and their offense lacks any sort of punch beyond Derrick Henry. So I, I'm having a tough time picking a side here. If I'm just going to pick a side, it'll probably be, it's going to be the Raiders plus two. I'll take the free points here. And just by simple logic, look, the worst team in the AFC West has to be better than the worst team in the AFC South, I think. So I'm going to go with that logic and just move on from this game. So I'm not impressed with either team, but this is kind of how I saw both their seasons going early on. I thought the Titans would get a week one win um, to be one and one, but I thought the Raiders were going to be 0-2. I thought they were going to lose to the Chargers and the Cardinals. Um, and the reason I'm taking the Titans this game is that Raiders defense is awful. They can't stop anyone. They Their offensive line is terrible. They can't run the ball. They're almost their 30th in rushing yards so far through two games. They they have no real consistency on offense besides throwing the ball to Devontae Adams and hoping that he does something with it. Even last week, that didn't prove to be very effective. He only had like two catches last week. Um, Derek Carr does not look like the Derek Carr I'm used to seeing. Carr doesn't throw a lot of interceptions in his career. He has three already. He's been sacked six times. I think the Titans are going to get Derrick Henry rolling. I think we're going to see a more vintage Derrick Henry game. I think that's going to help their offense out a lot. We saw early on in their game against the Bills that when you get Ryan Tannehill rolling in play action passes, he can look solid. He had a couple big 
um, play action throws, mostly to Traylon Burks early on in that game against the Bills. And then the Bills took that away from them. I don't think the Raiders have the ability to take away the play action passing. I don't think they have the ability to take away Derrick Henry. So I've got the Titans at home winning this game. Yeah, I in in one way, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that the matchup favors the Raiders. But and I and I'm high on the coaching for the Titans, but that blowout to the point of taking Ryan Tannehill out and just putting Malik Willis in, was that a resignation on the season or was that just a resignation that the Bills are ridiculously good right now and they just don't want to get Ryan Tannehill hurt? Because I don't think that if you wanted to get a you know a, a glimpse of Malik Willis and, and and evaluate him, putting him in against a ridiculously talented Bills defense was necessarily the way to do that. So it kind of makes me feel like maybe they were just trying to get out of that game and, and move on to the next day. So I'll take the Titans too. I've just talked myself into it with two, with two points. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The Chargers, the banged up Chargers are minus seven against your Jacksonville Jaguars, Bryson. Now this, your take on the Jaguars it seems to be a little bit fresher than your take on the Panthers. <laughs> and I understood because I felt similarly about the Jaguars. I just thought it might take a little time. So mm-hmm. this is an interesting one. I mean, the Chargers are still clearly the better team. But will they win by a full touchdown on Sunday? Um, I'm going with the Chargers minus seven here. Look, I understand the, the thing with Trevor Lawrence. That was his best game as an NFL quarterback since since joined the league last season so i understand all the flair the the justin herbert rib injury does concern me however uh assuming the chargers doctor doesn't puncture his lung when giving him <laughs> something to dull the pain i think la can cover this the jags win over the colts was only the second time in the last 10 games the jags have covered a spread also jacksonville has lost their last five games on the road against the spread with lawrence so I'm not going to completely overreact to one win by the Jaguars. They still got to prove they can compete against the real playoff contenders in the AFC. So I'm going to take the Chargers minus seven here and just kind of see if the Jags can prove me wrong. I'm going to take the Jags to at least cover. I don't know if they're going to win, but this is a huge spread. And these are all the guys who are questionable and most likely out for the Chargers. Corey Lindsley, their starting center, one of the best centers in football. Keenan Allen, one of the better receivers in football. JC Jackson, one of the best corners in football. Donald Parham, one of their um one of their key tight ends to keep this offense moving. Justin Herbert, he's going to play, but he's got those rib injuries and the Jaguars can get to the quarterback. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works. And then Trey Pipkins, their other starting tackle. That's a lot of injuries to key players on this team going against the Jags team that's facing a lot that's have a lot of momentum going their way. They, in my opinion, probably should have won week one, but Carson Wentz went off in that game, which probably won't see too many of those games going off where he has four touchdown passes. But Trevor Lawrence last week looks like the number one overall pick. It's crazy what happens when he gets a mature adult as his head coach instead of Urban Meyer. Um, Trevor Lawrence looks like a whole new quarterback. I like the way they're playing. The fact that the um, Chargers can't run the ball scares me in this game a little bit. Austin Eckler, 75 yards in two games. It's not going to cut it. 
the Jaguars have a better run game right now. I think Herbert, I think Lawrence is playing very, very well. He's not playing quite as well as Herbert, but I think the Jags have enough firepower and are healthy enough to keep this at least a close game. Yeah, I think when you look at the injuries on the offensive side of the ball in particular for the Chargers, I have all the confidence in the world that Justin Herbert will pull out a win. I think he's gritty. I think he'll do what's necessary to win. But I don't think that he's going to be out there slinging the ball all over the field if it's not necessary because he is going to be in a fair amount of discomfort in this game. So I think the Jaguars can cover the spread because I think the Chargers will just continue to do what's necessary all game to get it done. And because they can't run the ball effectively or haven't been able to at least until up to this point, they can't really lean on that either. So it's really what Justin Herbert can do. So I think it will be a little bit more sustained, um, a little bit more, you know, refrained, a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. A little bit more. I don't I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Um, <laughs> I need more coffee, I guess. I think I think the Chargers are going to be a little bit more down to earth offensively against the Jaguars. I guess that's just the way that I'll put it. So I'm going to take the Jags to backdoor cover here. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus one against the Packers. This one, I'm. I. This seems a little. I think it's just because they're in Tampa. That's the only thing that I can think of here because you know, based on all the injuries. It's definitely leaning in the Packers' favor. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I, this one I had a tough time reading because I I do agree the Tampa Bay situation in terms of injuries is really uh, eye-opening. They have a lot of guys on, on the injury report, especially ones that are pass catchers. Like, you look down their list, Godwin, Gage, Julio Jones, Scotty Miller, Perriman, and even their rookie, even their tight end, Kate Otten's on here. So I mean, it, it the who's going to be available for Brady is certainly a concern. But then on the flip side, you look at the Packers, and the Packers still haven't really established a go-to guy in response to Devonte Adams being traded away. Um, I'm having a tough time picking a side. I'm just going to go with the Bucks minus one here, and my main reasoning is because. I saw them grind their way to victory against a very good Saints defense and limited weaponry. So I think they can do that again against the Packers. Meanwhile, I think the Packers are still trying to figure out how they do something like that without without uh, someone on the outside for Aaron to just go to if the run game gets dried out. Yeah, this is going to be a really uh, fun game to watch, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. These are two very good defenses going at each other. Um but I'm going to take the Packers mostly because of all the injuries the Bucks are happening, especially at the wide receiver position with Evans suspended, Julio and Godwin not healthy. These receiving cores almost look even like it's a pretty even receiving core on both sides. I think I'm taking the Packers for the reason that they finally got their run game going. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon looked really good against the Bears. Um, and it opened up a lot for Aaron in the passing game, and made it easier to get his younger receivers just Quick passes. You saw they gave Romeo Dobbs the speedster screen passes, and those worked out really well. They got Christian Watson 
on a um, shovel pass type of play that got him going. He's showing confidence in those veterans. Cobb and Watkins had good games. Um, and he likes throwing to Aaron Jones out of the backfield. I think Aaron's go-to guy this season to replace um, Devontae Adams is going to be Aaron Jones, not only catching the ball. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this season, but also to keep the offense moving on the ground. I think Aaron Jones is one of the better backs in football. I think that they're going to keep the offense moving. That Bucks defense is hellacious. It's incredible. But I think the Packers run game and the lack of momentum the Bucks offense is going to have is going to slow things down for the for Tampa Bay. So give me the Packers to uh, win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the things you said, Kyle, but grinding out a win versus famous Jameis is very different than Mr. <laughs> Discount double check himself. I, I, I trust him to get it done against a depleted offense for the Bucks. All right. Arizona Cardinals are plus three and a half against the Rams. This, you know, I think for everything we've seen out of the Rams, they are just going to kind of casually slide into being one of the best teams in the NFC. So I just, I don't think, you know, they got to a slow start in week one. They got off to a fast start in week two and let, they let the Falcons kind of catch up to them. I feel like, this is a learning experience for them week by week. That's just getting them back into the feel of not being Super Bowl champions anymore because it's a new season. But I, I think things are going to go a little bit differently. But what do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. The Rams are one of those teams that don't play anybody in the preseason. So in, in a lot of times, the first month of that season, a lot of these guys are getting their legs back under them, actually getting the actual reps they needed during preseason. So I, I think the slow start or, or the sluggishness out of the gate is perfectly understandable. I will add this for this game specifically since 2015, the Rams are 11 and three against the spread and straight up against the Cardinals. And then under Sean McVay, they're, uh, they're 10 and five against the spread and straight up on the road first NFC West opponents. So, I'm going to go with the Rams minus three and a half here. I thought what Kyler did to spark that comeback was awesome. But I will point out if Hunter Renfro knows how to secure a football, they're (laughs) 0-2. So I think there are some, there are still some glaring issues with the Cardinals. I know the Rams have, are still kind of figuring things out, but I will take their issues over what, what's currently going on with the Cardinals right now. Yeah, I think I was, despite the almost comeback by the Falcons, I was really impressed with the Rams. Um, Stafford's looking to get other players involved instead of Cup. Obviously, Cup's going to get his. He's going to get his seven-plus catches, 100-plus yard type games. But he was getting Higby involved more. He was getting Allen Robinson involved more. They're trying to run the football, which is important for this offense. They need to be able to at least get something out of the run game to get the play-action passing open which is a huge staple in Sean McVay's passing um, game is the play action. And with the Cardinals, it took two touchdowns late in the game with two two-point conversions. One of them, the craziest two-point conversion, maybe in NFL history. Yeah. Um, and then it took an insane Hunter Renfro fumble Pair that went fumbles. all the way for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. That, um, the last one to go all the way back for a touchdown for the Cardinals to walk away with a win against the Raiders. I don't see things like that happening against the Rams. I think the Rams are 
better prepared, better coached than the Raiders. I think the Rams are a more talented team. I think that the Cardinals are not going to have the same fourth quarter success that the that they had against the Raiders. I'm going to take the Rams to cover the spread here. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, you said if it wasn't for this one moment in the game, they'd be 0-2. How about 100 moments in that game? If that went just differently, they'd be 0-2. It was a wild game. Yeah. So I think they had to have so many things go right for them. And that game was completely carried by Kyler Murray's ability to extend plays and to run the ball. And, I mean, I understand that it's very impressive. I just don't see it working out that way this week. I'm taking the Rams as well to cover. All right. Seattle Seahawks. Coming off a rather ugly loss to a Jimmy Garoppolo-led 49ers. They are still home favorites by just a half a point against the Falcons. Falcons have to travel all the way to the West Coast and play in Lumen Field, which we know is a tough place. The fact that they're not favored by more indicates that, that Vegas does like the Falcons here. But what do you think, Kyle? I, I really want to take the Falcons here, but the one problem is... They against Seattle at home is just a terrible prospect for anybody, regardless of who the quarterback is. When a quarterback not named Russell Wilson is starting starting at home for the Seahawks, it's 47-31 and 3 against the spread. That's the Seahawks. So I love I love Marcus Mariota. I think he's looked a lot better than what I anticipated. I think the Falcons are much more competitive than what most people expected. However, this, this spread's too small for me to back them, so I'm going to go with Seattle Mice 2 and just kind of think that the home crowd's going to buoy the Seahawks to a victory here. Okay, well, just, just to throw it out there, four play-action pools, we've got minus a half. Are you still taking mm. them? I mean, I assume that it's no different yeah. since your spread is only minus two, but I just wanted to throw yeah, that out it's, there. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. It's, yeah, I... I think it's still minus. I, I think it's still minus a half point for the Seahawks. It's a pick 'em, so I'm going mm-hmm. with the with the home side here. Yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks as well. I'm really, I really like the way the Falcons can run the football, but in a hostile environment like Seattle, the crowd's going to be into it. They're they show they can get a week one upset against a team like the Broncos. They should be able to at least beat a team like the O and two Falcons. Um, I'm not really impressed by either team. I'm not really impressed by either team's offense specifically, despite except for the Falcons' ability to run the football. But I'm taking the Seahawks if for no other reason, just the fact that they're in Seattle in one of the best home crowd home crowds in the NFL. U- ugly game. I don't. I don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. But I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game. I'm going to take the Falcons. I know it's not the best situation to travel all the way over there i think their offense has looked too good to go zero and three i think the seahawks had an emotional week one win i don't think they're a a, a terrible team but the falcons almost almost came back against the rams and i know that maybe the rams took their foot off the gas a little bit but they have looked good against both the saints a good defense and the rams a good defense offensively i know you know, running the ball, but they've got two guys who can do some damage to you in the passing game with with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And I think 
Yeah. I'm going to take them, especially because they're, you know, they're underdogs here. So Falcons for me uh, in Seattle. I think we start to see Seattle end up with the record that we expected them to have. You know, I don't think that they're going to run their way to a fairy tale season with Geno Smith. So this is kind of the beginning of that. Broncos plus one hosting the San Francisco 49ers. We already talked about Trey Lance not being there. It's Jimmy Garoppolo's team again. The Broncos haven't looked good so far this year. I know that it's early in the season and things may turn around. How do we expect that to go? You guys were both very much higher on the Broncos than I was. I did not pick them to make the playoffs in part because it was a very challenging AFC West. But even still, I did expect them to be a little bit better than what I've seen so far. Kyle? Yeah, I really want to take the 49ers here because I think right now they're the better team. That may not be the case as we move on in the season, but I I think Denver's going to get this, so I'll take the Broncos plus one. I think Denver's going to be the more desperate team. I think the fact that they haven't looked good through two weeks is is going to be a motivating factor here. And I'll point this out. Jimmy G is one in four in games he starts against Russell Wilson. So Russ has Russ has performed well in terms of head-to-head matchups with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Broncos also have dominated home games early in Denver. So at home in September, Denver is 48 and 13 straight up. I will say that Broncos are very tough to back in this spot because Russ looked awful against the Texans. And I still think Hackett is trying to figure out and understand this whole head coaching thing. But I, I think the desperation and the fact that the Broncos do perform well early in September, I think the Broncos plus one is going to be the play here. Yeah, I'm also taking Denver to win this game, but it's going to be really tough. I, I'm going to really wait until Sunday to make like an official choice in my mind because both teams have a ton of injuries that play into this game. Mostly guys like Eric Armstead and, um, and George Kittle are questionable for the Niners. Those are both game changers that they play. And the Broncos, they have a, at least five starters who are questionable in this game. Jerry Judy, Pat Sertan, Billy Turner, Josie Jewell, and um, I'm missing one more. Um, one second. I think that was actually it. So four. Uh, Randy Gregory is questionable, but he's played in both games. So he's going to play. If all, I think all five of them are going to play because Billy Turner and Josie Jewell were like so close to playing last week. They're both, they both were both practicing more. They're practicing more now. I think they're going to play this week. And then Jerry Judy, he has a rib problem. I think same thing with Herbert. They're going to, they're going to get him out there going. The only one that's really questionable to me is Sertan. But if he's out there, he doesn't shut down, but he neutralizes a guy like Debo Samuel for this offense for the Niners. Um, I'm more afraid of them with Jimmy than I am with Trey, funny enough. But I think the Broncos' defense has done a really good job at getting to the quarterback. And a not-mobile guy like Jimmy, I think that's a good chance for them to get more sacks. And then the biggest reason I'm taking Denver at home and that defense is playing really, really well so far. They're allowing 13 points per game so far this season. They're getting the quarterback. They're not allowing a ton through the air or on the ground in terms of like bulk yardage on the other side of the ball, which is huge, and they're not letting a lot of people score. So I think I'm taking the Broncos to win this game 
if for no other reason, the fact that they're at home and that defense is playing really well. Yeah, I'm taking the 49ers comfortably here because it's not that any of the things that you guys have said are irrelevant or, or not correct. But I think you've got to look at the top down in this case. And when you have a play caller like Kyle Shanahan going up against a play caller that's as inexperienced as Nathaniel Hackett, and you just look at how it's gone over the first couple of weeks, I think experience is going to play a huge role in this game. I think the Broncos are are against the ropes, and I do not know. I feel like under pressure so far, they haven't looked good, and the pressure is just building. I think 49ers have been there, done that. I don't know if they will have a runaway win, but with a with a spread like minus one, I got to take it. All right, so that is Sunday Night Football. I did not mention that, but... It is. Now, let's call out who won last week's pick'em. So, standings, take a quick look here at week two. So, I got eight, I believe. Yes, I got eight. I, for some reason, I picked the game wrong in play action pools for the Thursday night game, but my pick was for the Chargers to cover, so... They did that. Um, so let's see who got the best. Real quick while I'm finding who had the best week. What did you guys do? Um, I struggled. I had only five. I don't think I got any of the primetime games correctly outside of the Packers and Bears. I know both Monday night games I was on the wrong side of. And then the backdoor cover in Thursday night really killed me. Yeah, I, I also only got five. I think I definitely got the Packers and Bears game right, and I think I got the Chargers to cover that spread. Um, but Sunday night, or the Sunday slate killed me. Those massive comebacks killed me. I had both the um, Browns and the Ravens winning those games um, and covering those spreads, obviously, and neither happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were those were killers. All right, so I have here Simon Carroll and the Redbeard, who is Rowan. Both of them had nine. Nice job. And then Brian K, 1985. I'm not sure who Brian K, 1985 is. It hit me up on Twitter, Brian. And next week I can give out your full name, get you the proper credit you deserve. You walk away with 10 this week. Nice job. You're the winner. So remember, play along with us in playactionpools.com. Even if you miss the first couple of weeks, I will shout out whoever has the best week, no matter what. So you still have a chance to, to win a week. And in fact, many weeks. So, a link for that is in the description below. And guys, that'll do it for us today. I can't wait to see how this week plays out. But while we are waiting for that to happen and getting back on here to chat, let everybody know where they can find you, Kyle. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Kyle underscore Nishida. And then obviously all my work is on Gridiron Heroics. Nice. Bry- Bryson? You can um, follow me on Twitter at Bryson0116. That's B-R-I-S-O-N. And then um, some of my work is on Gridiron Heroics. And then a lot of it's also on denversportsbetting.com. Beautiful. I was looking right at Brian K. 1985 when I said that. (laughs) My mind said Bryson, but my mouth said Brian. All right, guys, it's been awesome. I love this segment. And apparently the people do too. People have been downloading this episode more than any other each given week. So that's pretty cool. We will see you all next Friday. 
Thank you so much for listening to our week three picks and preview episode. Remember, I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at BMaxDean. And the Gridiron Heroics football show is available anywhere podcasts are found. Now, this coming Monday, we will be releasing our full Sunday recap that I'll be doing with Dave Guberman and Eric Hitch. And following that, to close out the episode, I've got a segment with Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants, part of John Boy Media, and Law Nation Sports, covers the Dallas Cowboys on his very popular YouTube channel, Law Nation Sports. So look forward to that. And then, of course, we'll get right back into our weekly slate after please rate review subscribe all of that excellent stuff that helps us so much we appreciate it and we will see you all very soon